Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rare room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it And anybody can get it, no limit We get to kill it, you tuning it to the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping Any topic, even the random Niggas I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rare room That's it, that's all I got to say What's up y'all, it's your boy Hilliard Guess, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what? 2015. 15 people. Why you got to put all that extra stank on it? I was, try- I was trying to be fancy. I was trying to be fancy with it. <laughs> I apologize. So on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So y'all hear her voice. Hootie who? That's my girl, Lisa Bolacaja, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the what? Street nerdist. Because she cray cray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all mm-hmm. going to hear it today. This bitch is mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> so look, on that note, if y'all ready and you guys are grown, let's get it in. So today, mm-hmm. we are going to talk about um, creating compelling screenplays, mm-hmm. right? Is your story compelling? Is it? Bitch, is it? Okay, ask some questions Okay, first. is it? <laughs> like, you need to talk to yourself and ask that. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Is it really? Because I know a lot of times you and I get on here and we go in on a lot of stuff, but we really are about craft. And one of the things I'm always stressing to people is, um, especially now with so many really, was really... That, was that especially without the E? Yeah. <laughs> especially now. Especially, she went right to the especially, especially. now. That's the apostrophe. Especially now. <laughs> especially now. Let me not say especially now. Let me put on my instructor hat. Uh, and keep my, a ghetto, and my teacher and my teacher voice. Um it's it's not I and I know I keep beating a dead horse with this, but it's not it's not enough anymore to be a well written writer. Mm-hmm. It's not enough anymore to be a great writer. I think the thing that we really need to focus on is being compelling. Mm-hmm. Because compelling is... Let's a, give people a definition of that. Yeah, compelling... <laughs> okay, let's be honest. When we talk about most scripts and things like that, well-written, when it's, oh, it's well-written, I want you to understand what they're really saying. That is code <laughs> for mediocre. Mediocre means ordinary, average. Mm-hmm. So if someone says to you, well, it was well-written, I thought it was a good script. The subtext is, it is mediocre. Let's just put it out there. Put that in your notebooks. Get your pens out because y'all have to take some notes today. Mama's <laughs> teaching today. Okay? Compelling. Latin. Let's break it down. Compel. Come. C-O-M means together. P-E-L means to dry. So when you put those two words together from Latin, it means to force or set by force. Mm-hmm. It's an action. It's an active thing. So here are some other definitions of compelling. Please make sure you got your pens Take some notes. I'm trying to help you here, okay? Because I'm saying this as someone who's also a screenwriter, someone who reads scripts. I'm also saying this as somebody who reads a lot of slush. And as someone who watches, unfortunately, I watch way too many Did you movies. say you eat a lot of slush? What did you say? Read. Did I say eat? <laughs> no, I'm sitting here looking at food. Did I say eat? <laughs> you said, who you reads said, a you lot. Read. Reads a lot of stuff. <laughs> He's looking at messing with me, y'all. <laughs> who reads a lot of stuff. I don't even have to tell you to to hurt your feelings. You don't have much time to capture. Okay, I'm going to use street vernacular. 
Okay. Uh, those of you who've ever read Donald Goyms or Iceberg Slim, uh, who uh, parlay in the world. Why are you going back to the pimp? pimp because I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm trying to convey to people <laughs> what you really have to do. And this is, and uh, when I talk about compelling characters, I remember I did a presentation at the WGA um, um, for a bunch of writers for the Organization of Black Screenwriters, and I was talking about this subject. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling them, I'm telling you this, and I'm, I'm just using the street vernacular because. There's no other hardcore real way to say this to people. But if you know, if you've ever seen a lot of pimp movies, pimps always have this thing. <laughs> they talk about when you, to, when you need to get a woman mm-hmm. or get somebody to do what you want them to do, you got to snatch a bitch's mind. <laughs> snatch or what? Snatch a bitch's mind. That is hilarious. Okay, I'm just being, I'm, you know, you're not going to get this from other people, okay? You're going to have people who are going to use words like, oh, you have to I be I just thought of something. Really quick. Side note, side go note. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You need to write a screenwriting book and have all this different That's the title of my book. Lisa's book's going to be called Snatch a Bitch's Mind. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And and that's like that's like the um that's like the midpoint of some shit. (laughs) (laughs) So all your words are because you know that's what he did in Save the Cat. All Uh, he did was all he did was change all the different words. Okay, this is my version of Save the Cat, Snatch a Bitch's Mind. (laughs) And for those feminists out there, you know, just understand I'm just using words. That is not, you know, being negative to women. I am just trying to convey to people what you really have to do because you have to be able to get somebody in the hook and hold them for a long time. Let me break down some words, some synonyms for compelling. And you got to understand that these are active words. They're not passive words. They are active. So compelling. We're talking about you need to force, drive, make, coerce, influence, necessitate. Oblige, enforce. What's the opposite of that? This is what a lot of y'all are doing when y'all <laughs> send your scripts in and Hilliard has to read them, I have to mm-hmm. read them. This is what y'all are doing. Hamper, thwart, resist, retard, prevent, bar, obstruct, block, stop, frustrate, detour, oppose, encumber. You know what's interesting? Hearing all those words, the inflection of them sound like they're just as powerful, but they're not. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so you need to understand when we're saying compelling, you need to force people. It is an active thing. Mm-hmm. All right. You really have to be like a magician. One of my favorite magicians, not only is my favorite because he's talented, but he's very sexy, is Blaine. David, oh, yeah, Blaine. Talking, yeah. David Blaine is awesome. And like a good magician, like a good pimp, <laughs> <laughs> you have to control the audience. You have to, um, you have to make them want to be part of your story, okay? Let me give you four things you need to do, and I'll go on death really quickly because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you understand this. This is how you make them compelling. Number one, the writer has to take advantage of the audience's expectation of being dominated. Explain that. In just a moment. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm, look, they you got homework. Get, they got, got homework. Go ahead. Are you taking notes? You're not taking notes. I'm listening. Because <laughs> <laughs> you hear me say this all the time. Anyway, number two, you, the writer, you have to exhibit a commanding writing presence. We'll get more into that. Just write that down. You have to exhibit a commanding writing presence. Okay? Number three, the writer has to give the audience or the reader, whoever the gatekeeper is, okay, you have to give them a focus for their attention. And number four, the writer has to hold the audience or the reader's attention by various means, including the rhythms of his speech. We're talking Mm -hmm. about dialogue. Okay? And movement. We're talking about actions. Okay? Mm -hmm. Got that? Now let's break it down even further. 
You got those four things. If you missed it, just rewind this up and you can do it again. <laughs> okay? Number one, the expectation of being dominated. Okay? Imagine that it's like being on a roller coaster. When I get on a roller coaster or when you get a roller coaster, mm-hmm. you expect to have a safety bar to snug you in at your waist, right? But you expect to have a Mr. Toe's wild ride. Mm. So the moment we walk into a movie theater, the mm-hmm. minute we pick up a script, we open it up to that first page, mm-hmm. there is an expectation that something is about to happen. You are about to take me on the ride of my mm-hmm. life. All right? That's the expectation of being dominated. Number two, when I talk about having commanding presence, it has to be on the page, people. Okay? There is an assumption of authority. You've seen it. I have seen it. Mm-hmm. When you first read the first page of a script and that writing grabs you because you feel like this person is in control of the situation and they know what they're talking about, you give them your trust that they know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay? You show immediate signs of competence. There is nothing worse than reading the first page and feeling like, oh, this person doesn't know what they're doing. You've lost me already. If I even think that on first page, page one, you have lost me. Mm -hmm. You have to have an expectation that you're the authority figure, you know what you're doing, and there's got to be some kind of competence that's on that page that I see it. And as a reader, I'm going to lower my resistance to you, Mm -hmm. okay? Because I'm already going in expecting Mr. Toad's wild ride. (laughs) So I'm already taking off my coat, getting comfortable, all right? Mm -hmm. I'm expecting you to give me something. In other words, I believe that you're going to have some game, okay? Number three, a focus for attention, okay? Pay attention, people. (laughs) Whenever you hear me and Hilliard reading a lot of the scripts that we do on here when we do the Don't Sleep on Them segment, after we read the script, a lot of times you'll hear us bursting with excitement when we're talking about what we just read, mm-hmm. okay? What you're, that excitement that you're getting from us, when we, especially when I get all into it, be like, I cannot wait to tell you what I liked about the script, it's because that you have given me my focus of attention. You have actually forced me, you have compelled me mm-hmm. to want to be in your world. You're doing that by giving me vivid descriptions, you may notice we always talk about descriptions vivid. and the action scenes, mm-hmm. how stuff just pops off the page, right? The dialogue crackles. A lot of times we'll repeat lines. I still lines people. If I see stuff in the script like, oh my God, I love that. Let me go put that someplace out, right? Uh-huh. I do okay. It all the, time. the first five pages, and you know, in Lisa's world is usually one, but we'll be trying to be nice to some of y'all. <laughs> the first five pages needs to focus on that one thing that's gonna keep me hooked, okay? What is gonna compel me to be hooked to your, your characters? That's when we start talking about compelling characters. What makes a compelling characters? This is like a side note. Side note. Consider this 3A. Mm-hmm. These are some of the things, and we talk about this all the time, but I wanna make sure that I get this ground into your head for the summer. Flaws make characters compelling. You got a flawed character, I'm gonna to relate to them, I'm gonna like them. Any quirks your character may have, mm-hmm. right? If there's a certain realness to them. We were just talking about in our last podcast episode, we were talking about the movie Dope. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you how much I loved ASAP Rocky's performance as Dom, the drug dealer guy. Mm-hmm. And the realness of him was the fact that it was realistic. He wasn't some thug, overdone, overblown, mm-hmm. trying to be that all swaggadocious every mm-hmm. scene. He was just a regular dude who's found himself in a situation where he is dealing drugs, brilliant guy, really smart, could be doing better, but he doesn't have the resources and he doesn't have the mentorship or the people around him to mm-hmm. help him out of that situation. To me, that was real. And that made me really care about his character. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it though, I was glad that he was in jail in the movie because I was gonna be terrified that he was gonna get killed or hurt. Like when they had mm-hmm. the shootout scene, mm-hmm. and I was like, because he was so real to me and I mm-hmm. know dudes like that, mm-hmm. okay, and knew some dudes like that who mm-hmm. are no longer with us, 
that realness made that a compelling character to me. Even though he was a minor character in that movie. I have to say movie, something. Really quick. Really quick. Keep your thought. Mm-hmm. So I got a call when my partner Scott and I put out on Facebook that we were going to get married. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I must get hurt. You know me. I'll be getting mm-hmm. One of my homeboys who I wrote my script about, mm-hmm. who's been out of prison for over 10, 12 years now. Right, right. Um, hit me up and said, Hill, I just saw y'all guys, you guys are getting married. He's like, you know, I'm coming. He's like, I don't give a fuck with nobody. So I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he reminds me right. of that character. Right. You feel me? Right. Interesting. That realness to, to it, to right? Right. And also what makes a, compa- uh, a character compelling is how did you introduce that character? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the character's first appearance on the page or in film sets the tone for everything else, how mm-hmm. we feel about them. One of my favorite movies, I talk about this all the time, one of my favorite films that I love, like it's almost one of those films that are almost near, damn near perfect to me, is Sexy Beast. Oh, yeah. oh my God. And tell the, the kid, tell the kid. Oh my God. And the first time you see Ben Kingsley's character. Well, you don't see him first. You don't see him. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes it compelling, is you see all the other characters, you know, Gal and all his other, his crew, who've retired to uh, the south of, like, was it Spain somewhere? And they're out of the gangster life. They're older. They're like middle age. You know, they've retired. They've been in jail. It's two couples. They've retired to Spain, and they're having dinner. Like they're retired now, retired gangsters, mm-hmm. and they're having a nice dinner with their retired gangster friends. Mm-hmm. And as they're sitting there, the first two couples having dinner, and they're talking about what we're going to have. Oh, mussels or clams? What we're going to have for dinner? The other two couple come in, and mind you. Ten minutes prior to this, we had seen this couple before. They were all happy, mm-hmm. having a party at the pool at the house. Oh, everything's great. The next time we see this couple, their faces are so stern. <laughs> and so, like, something has happened. <laughs> so that jovial couple that we saw mm-hmm. in the first scenes, in the first opening of Sexy Beast, are not the same two people who walk in and That's sit irony. down. And when they sit down... <clears throat> The main character, Gail, is like, hey, uh, what's going on? Why are you guys looking so happy? And the first thing the, the one guy, Jackie says, the character Jackie, she goes, are you out of the business? Are you out? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm out. What's, what's this big thing about? And they let him know <laughs> <laughs> that Ben Kingsley's character called them. I can't remember the character's name. As many know. times as I've seen mm-hmm. this movie, it's, watch, as soon as we get done with this podcast, the name's going to pop up. Um, <laughs> as, it up. Look it up real quick. Mm-hmm. They say, hey, they got a phone call from Ben Kingsley. He's coming to Spain, and he wants Gal to do one more job. Talk about stakes. The expression on Gal, gorgeous Gal, Mm -hmm. the expression on his face, you would have thought the devil has showed up. Color drains from his face. That was 15 years ago. Oh, God, if you haven't seen that movie, that is a classic. Like the, Just get the script. The script was amazing. He played Don Logan. The mention of Don Logan changes the mood. Changes the mood to an extreme that I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable, and I haven't even met Dude. Ain't even met him yet. He is the antagonist. You haven't met him, but just their reaction to him showing up the next day mm-hmm. tells you everything. That was one of the most compelling introductions to like a character mm-hmm. who hasn't even showed up on screen yet. Mm-hmm. So the moment that it flips over and you actually see Don Logan coming to the airport, mm-hmm. you already are messed up and scared. Mm-hmm. Even though Don Logan, Ben Kingsley, he's really you know he's you know not a very large dude. 
He ain't buffed out or nothing. Mm. Like literally, when you look at him, he looks like a little accountant. He only five three, five yeah, four. Yeah, he's, he's a tiny like a little, little dude. <laughs> but because of their reaction to him, mm-hmm. that was such a compelling introduction to that character, to that antagonist. That for the rest of the movie, it doesn't matter what he does, you are on edge. Like that is like some electrifying. Well, well you were talking about writing. How you intro your character. That was the perfect way to intro them if you don't see them first. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's other ways to yeah. intro them. You know, right. once you see them, right. you show their ability. He's mm-hmm. a cop. You show how good he is, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. So that when we talk about when you're introducing, you know, the focus, your attention, in that particular case, my attention, even though it was on the main characters, now my attention and my focus is on this compelling character of Don Logan, the bad guy, just by the way they introduced him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fourth thing, when we talk about rhythms of speech, which is dialogue, and of course, movement, which is action, the story, it has to flow in such a way that the person reading it or watching it or what have you, it almost feels like you've gone into a trance state. Like you are so into that movie that you were just locked into it, okay? And as a reader, you know, we are unable to break away from the pages that you set before us. Okay, I'm compelled to find out what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. That's why you get that old cliche saying, I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put that book or script down. It was so good. Okay, And remember, once again, good or great writing, hmm. that is subtext and code for just mediocre. We want <laughs> compelling writing. Okay, We want to have readers in a hypnotic state. Okay. And when I say hypnotic state, because when you're in a hypnotic state, you're more suggestible. You're able to imprint mm-hmm. uh, vivid impressions, images, and you, we just make it hard. You want to make it hard for people to stop reading. If we stop reading, you've already failed, okay? And the best way to do that is to make your voice unique. And how do you do this? This is what you need to do. And I keep saying this, but I, I got to put it in there. You got to do your film homework. This is what you're going to do, people. <laughs> I say it all the time, but... It's never, never a bad idea to have a review. AFI mm-hmm. has a best of list of the best scripts, films that you need to be watching. Okay? WGA has a script library. Okay? The Nichols, they have a library too. Okay? You need to watch and study the best films in the genre that you're writing in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then find out what is unique in your story to make you stand out like these scripts that are being held as the, these are the gods that mm-hmm. you need to come to. You need to read a lot of these scripts, and then you need to honestly have a sit-down, come-to-Jesus moment with your own writing, <laughs> and say, what makes my work unique or compelling enough to stand up with these greats? Mm-hmm. You know, If you come into play with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, what do you got that's as good or better than these jokers? Mm-hmm. Okay, That's what, how you have to be thinking. Serena Williams, how is your game? <laughs> Writing at the level of Serena Williams, if Serena Williams is writing scripts, mm-hmm. you, you have to be thinking on that level. You can't be thinking, oh, it's just good, it's great. That's not good enough. Remember, when they tell you your stuff is good, great, or well-written, they are telling you you are mediocre. They're just being polite about it. Okay? We want to be compelling. So I need to change my vocabulary, because I'll say, I'll mean compelling, but I'll say it is so good. You can say that, you know too. I mean? No, no, you can still say that. It's so good. It's wonderful, because we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, not only that, it's not just the words, but we're... We're feeding off of your energy, too, that you're okay. so excited that, no, here, here it is, to take that. So I'm telling you it's compelling right. by the action. Right, yeah. right. But as us, I want you to put in your brain, audience, I want you to put in your brain that this is the type of writing you want to do. Now, after you've made your list, let's say, for example, you do the top 20, okay? Top 20 screenplays, the best in your genre. Mm-hmm. The next thing you need to do, 
And I know it's going to sound bad because, you know, I'm notorious for watching Sharknado. <laughs> you ain't going to worry me. And Lava Lantula <laughs> and Sharktopus versus... The other one was Sharktopus versus Were, Were, Werewell. Really? Yeah, it was a well who was a werewolf, too. That is ridiculous. You know what? I, you know what? You need to... Sometimes you need to go slumming to appreciate some things. That's just like... Don't you judge me. That's just throwing shit don't, on the wall. Don't you judge me, okay? <laughs> so the next thing you do, if you're just doing the basic minimum of the top 20 films, what you need to do is watch the, the worst, the 20 worst films. Mm. You can Google in the worst horror films ever. You can find all kinds of listings and things on Google. But you want to do is you want to look at the biggest hits and the biggest misses, okay, of the last, I'm going to say the last four or five years, okay? And you have to learn this. You have to have that self-mastery to watch what is considered the best and also to see what is the worst and see where you fall. Yeah, and, and the problem is we don't do that enough. I know mm-hmm. people make fun of me all the time when I mm-hmm. watch sci-fi channels. Like really, <laughs> Because sometimes you got to watch bad stuff to know that it's bad. Yeah. Because what's funny is a lot of the stuff that you see in the sci-fi channel movies mm-hmm. and stuff, that's the same stuff that creeps into the major stuff yeah. also. They just do it on a budget. They do it on a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. You know? So don't, don't be fooled. You know? Because let's be honest. Even though I love Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> he is my future ex-husband. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to break up with his girlfriend right now and to come to terms <laughs> that he needs to, you know, you're, you're get, get, right, get right. He is my, <laughs> I love him. But here's the thing. Let's be real. San Andreas, the movie, I saw it. I had fun with it. But It's basically a sci-fi <laughs> movie with a bigger budget and it's got Dwayne Johnson. Didn't I say that? Yes, you did. It's Sharknado with money. It's yeah. It's except for it was like or or like one of those other sci-fi movies when we have the big giant earthquake movies. Uh-huh. It, it was just the same thing, sci-fi mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. just with you know bigger budget mm-hmm. and a bigger name person with yeah. it. You know, and that that's what it is. So what we're trying to convey to you, and that's basically what I want to get across to everybody, is the idea is that we want to create compelling things, and you have to do these steps once again. Compel. Right? We want to force people, drive people, make them, coerce them, influence them, all right? Enforce them to read your work because you've given them something compelling to read. And that is a combination of things. Like we said, it comes with the dialogue, it comes with how you introduce your characters, how your characters are, it also comes with the action, how you describe the action. Um, Really, really, really compelling writing. Awesome. We want to get to that level of awesomeness is one of those things where as soon as you're done reading, you're like, I could not put it down, and I really have to give it to somebody else to read, to show them. It's like when you go see a really great movie, and you get excited about it, and you want everybody to go see it. That's the energy you should be feeling about your script. If you're Mm -hmm. not feeling that energy about your script, you are just mediocre. (laughs) Even though people are telling you it's well-written, or it's good, or it's great, just understand that. I mean, those are things that I'm dealing with myself, because I know there's some scripts I have out there that are like... Now, years later, it's like, oh, God, that's just mediocre stuff. You know, mm-hmm. It might have been well-written, but I know it's, I, I'm much better now. Let me ask you a question. <sighs> mm-hmm. Why is it? Because we probably did it, too. I know I did it. I'm sure I did Why it. is it the younger writers think that their first draft is golden? What is it in you that makes you think, because, oh, I can write a movie, and that's the one? And everybody's heart. They always think that they are the, the ingenue that's going to come up and change everything for everybody. We all, we all understand that. We've all been there like, this is the draft. I think what happens is we haven't had people to tell us no. 
We okay. write it, and we maybe we've given it to people who mm-hmm. really don't know anything, and because they've never seen a screenplay, they think it's good, mm-hmm. and they tell you that, and you kind of like puffed up on that. You haven't been around people who've been in the game long enough to be honest with you to sit you down and say, "No, it's a good first draft, mm-hmm. but it's not." You know, you you know, we've all been there. Like, oh my God, I had this. Just as whole naive I was when I started, when I was writing Octavia <laughs> Butler script. Because I just thought, I'm going to write this script. And of course, they're going to give me the rights to this thing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is the best draft deck child. I was looking at that thing. And this is a script that I wrote like, might have been like 15, 16 years ago when mm-hmm. I was first starting out. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> like, I'm embarrassed for the 15 years ago, Lisa, who thought that this was like, <laughs> this is the thing that's going to make me a star. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, if I can go to Time Machine and tell myself, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that good. You think it's good because you just bought Final Draft and it looks like it looks like a screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's not what you think it mm-hmm. is. But everybody goes through that because we no. want to think that we're the special ones. We're the one that, that has that talent. And... You know, we've never had someone be honest with us and say, no. But over time, when you've read scripts, when you've studied other writers who will tell you, and and I hear this all the time, I say by damn near 95% of the time, most screenwriters I know tell me, and what I've read, Mm -hmm. is... I really didn't think I really knew what I was doing. I really had a, a handle on my script until after I wrote like my, my 10th or 12th or 15th script. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, when I, once I even thought I thought I knew what I was doing, you know, and that's the level you think you have to be thinking at. It's like your first draft is not your best draft. Your first draft is just a skeleton. That's just a sketch. If you were painting or drawing, that's just the first sketch. That's not what you know what I You know what I tell younger writers? Even if it took you three months to get to that first draft, it's probably still your, your vomit script. Yeah. If it's your first one, it's still a vomit script. And you need to set it aside. <laughs> We're not playing when we tell people, set it aside a week or two, a month, because you should be constantly working all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised that when you go back and get some time away from that piece, which I love when I do it all the time I do myself, it all the time. you go back and you're able to read it as if somebody else wrote it and mm-hmm. you can see all the things like, man, I was really thinking I was doing some big things with this script. <laughs> it is terrible, mm-hmm. you know, and there might be some good things about it, you know, for the first draft, but it's definitely not going to be like when I hear stories like, oh, it was the first draft. Somebody's lying. I knocked it out and then somebody bought it. And it was fantastic. No. You lying. You just trying to sell some wolf tickets. I understand. Mm-hmm. But that first draft is never, it's never the one. It's always Well, see, that's one. how I learned my lesson because my first draft is the one that went to the, to the final cut of Sundance. It really was my first draft. I wrote Fade Out and I sent it. It must have been a bad batch of scripts that I year. Wrote Fade Out <laughs> and I sent it. It or, was the original story. But the thing was, People it, were looking yes, at the story. That's too. It might have you know been like, because I mean? it was so unique and original. Nobody and had seen the story. Right. And that's why that script did get. But I had a sense, because I've been in the game for so long. I wasn't really writing that long, but I've been an actor for so long at that time that I knew from the scripts that I had read before that it probably wasn't on the right level. Right. They were like, wow, what is this story? We got to get this dude in his lab. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And eventually it got weeded out because it wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And but so, there was a kernel. And those was, things happen too. There's still stuff that's still in that script right. that was originally right. in there. That right. I was like, I actually Sometimes wrote some Sometimes that shit. happens. Sometimes you can have somebody who's written it was the first raw. draft. And it's raw, like mm-hmm. you said. And someone sees something in it. And they may buy it or do something. But guarantee it's going to be changed. Because they saw something there that they can work with. A kernel mm-hmm. of something. 
and they can change it. But every newbie writer goes through it. Trust mm-hmm. me, I've been there. Like, this is the shit. This first draft is the most amazing thing. <laughs> I ain't got to do nothing else. Just sit it out. I remember doing that. Back mm-hmm. in the days before we did stuff, where we uploaded stuff, where mm-hmm. literally you would mail it to Chop, okay. get my little script covers, mm-hmm. get, get it in there, throw in the mail. <laughs> and now I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, I wish somebody would have told me mm-hmm. and said, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't know. It's just something we all do. Let's do a let's do a recap mm-hmm. on on some of the things you talked you went okay. over just for the so people. once again, we want to write compelling. Okay, basically the word compel we know it means to force or set by force to force us to do that. And the main four things is basically the writer number one has to take advantage of the audience expectation. Remember we talked about a roller coaster when we come into your script or come into a movie theater to see your work. We expect to be entertained. We expect Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. We have a certain expectation. When we have an expectation, we're a little bit more open mm-hmm. to you getting us there. So we'll give you a little leeway. That's why they always say the first 10 minutes of a movie, like if you ever go to a movie, the first 10 minutes, you can kind of like, I'm going to give you the first 10 minutes. And after mm-hmm. that, I know. you know. And of course, 10 minutes by page count, that'd be like 10 pages of your script. Mm-hmm. Even though me personally, it's page one. I already know <laughs> if I trust your ass or not. right? Also, too. You, the writer, exhibit a commanding writing presence, right? And we know that writing presence we're talking about, it has to be on the page. There's just something on there that lets me know that you have some type of mastery of the craft. I trust your authority on Mm -hmm. it, okay? And three, your focus of attention. That's when we talk about vivid descriptions, um, the dialogue crackles and pops, um, the thing that keeps us hooked and most importantly, number four, the rhythms of speech and movement, your, mm-hmm. your dialogue and action. It has to flow in a way that I find myself wanting to keep reading it, mm-hmm. okay? Like, like I said before, when people say, I couldn't put it down, that's what we want, mm-hmm. all right? And it's not easy to do. I mean, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, the viewpoint from someone who does read slash someone who does read scripts. Sometimes we read so many things and I'll just give you a specific example. I read Slush for a science fiction magazine. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm on break right now, but we're going to start back up in September. Does everybody know what Slush is? Slush, the Slush pile is basically the pile of scripts that readers have to read every weekend mm-hmm. and read it for the producers, for the director, to basically decide whether or not this script gets passed up to be read it's, by it's the, the big stack. people. It's the stack. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... You know, I get a stack, or if, when I, if I'm reading for a contest or reading for somebody who has, I need you to go through these scripts and help me decide whether or not I'm going to read some, mm-hmm. you know, you go through the slush pile. And slush is not, it's not fun, but as a reader, you, you, you really want to find that one gem in that pile. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you just really want to find it. But typically what happens for me when I'm reading a lot of slush, sometimes you get so bogged down with reading that's just so mediocre that when you do find a script that's just well-written, sometimes you think that script is, oh, this is the one, when Mm -hmm. it really isn't, okay? And a lot of times I find myself doing is I really have to do maybe a a second or third read of something. Like Mm -hmm. if I have a pile like, oh, these are the ones, Mm -hmm. then I have to stop. Like, Lisa, let's not get crazy. Mm -hmm. What has happened is you are just reader fatigued. Mm-hmm. Okay, these scripts you set you aside. You can get free to free. Yeah, you, you set them aside. You stop really reading. You're yeah. just scanning through at stop, some point. Stop. And this is what I do personally. Mm-hmm. What I do, whether it's for a contest for re- or if it's or uh, for short stories for the magazines for the science fiction magazine. I'll read a bunch. All right, I think these are the ones. Then I have a list of movies 
that are in that particular genre for each of the scripts I've read, Mm -hmm. or I have a list of short stories for the list of the, the short stories I've just read. I go back and look at the scripts or I go back and I look at the short stories and I think, are these at that level? Mm. Okay. These might've been good or okay because of the stack I was reading was Mm -hmm. crappy. And then you get that false sense of like, these are really good. And Mm -hmm. you realize these aren't really good. They were just better than most of the crap that was in that slush pile. You know, that reminds me of, remember we had Rona Bennett on from In Vogue Mm -hmm. and I was telling her about how when she came in to read, like she came in early Mm -hmm. and she was so good that... Everybody else who came in, no matter how good it, they could have played the part, right. but they were not her. So we kept competing, comparing everybody back to exactly. her. Is it the same? Yes, similar? it's the okay. same thing because yeah. that's essentially that's what you're doing. Because people are always going to read a script like, but is it as good as this? Is it on that level? Once mm-hmm. again, are you on this level? Are you on a LeBron James level of script writing? Are you in a Serena Williams level of script writing? And you really, like I said, have that come to Jesus moment where you have to be honest and tell yourself, no, it's not. A lot of my friends get on me about writing short stories. A lot of my friends are getting published. A lot of them are getting book deals that are coming out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are looking at me like, my God, you're a good writer. Why don't you? I know when my stuff is not that, it's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like it might be good for some people, like, oh, mm-hmm. this is great, but I know what I'm capable of. And I'm not just gonna put something out there. I may have mm-hmm. to sit on it. That's just me. You know, when I know my own writing, like, yeah, this is not ready for that. Yeah, for most people, it might be better than most people. But for me, I know it's not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And you, as readers, as gatekeepers, that's what we're looking for. You know, and you just need to understand what can get you over that one last hump. Because there's nothing more exciting than finding something that's amazing and running to somebody else and saying, this needs to be made to a movie. Mm-hmm. This is the script. This is the one right here. Screw those other people. This is the one right here. Yeah. You know? And nobody wants to do that. You know, a producer just wants to spend more time working on the project they're working on. They don't want to stop for two years to work on yours. God, yes. You know? Yeah. And that, I think that is one of the biggest things that I'm always trying to explain to young writers is, you know, like they'll go to a panel thinking they're going to meet some producer and they're going to read the script and want to shoot it tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you realize it takes they're still going to want to develop it for months. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> then they got to raise the money for it. Yep. Then they got to cast it. Mm-hmm. Then they got, I mean, there's so many different um, levels and rungs and to do, this. And, and on that note, you have to look, is this script worth investing that much time? That's the key. Is that, do you, do you want to spend mm-hmm. that much time mm-hmm. on that project? Do you see it? Cause I, when I hear stories about, for example, when I hear about the Mad Max movie, mm-hmm. when he said he'd been sitting on that script for like 20 years. Wow. You know, so it's been written that long. He, he already had it written. It was ready to go. But it took that long to mm-hmm. get to a place where people were ready for, you know, for that script to come out. And also, technology-wise, yeah, technology, Yeah, technology, yeah. And also know? because after he did the Mad Max movies, you got to mm-hmm. remember, George Miller, he did Babe. Mm-hmm. And a couple other movies that were considered like family friendly. And mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people, I don't know what people assume, like the guy who did Mammoth, he, he didn't have an M anymore. He's mm-hmm. doing family feature things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have it. You know, there was a large gap. And he tried to pigeonhole Yeah. Him. But what he was doing was trying to pitch it to people. He had mm-hmm. some things set up. At one point, he thought he had um, uh, Mel Gibson again. Things fall up. Because people, you know, actors are constantly booking jobs. And Unfortunately, sometimes their schedules overlap and they can't do certain things. That was a perfect things. example that they didn't need them. Yeah, yeah. You and would they have thought did, yeah, that you needed At the time. Them. Yeah. 20 like years. Of, yeah. And didn't tw- need them. Yeah. And, 20, and that's when tw- it took 20 years. And thank God it did because mm. he got the movie he needed to get. He needed to have. And it took about 20 years to get it done. 
you know, and so you have to be, and he was willing, he was willing to carry that script for mm-hmm. 20 years mm-hmm. until he got it done. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Mm. You know, it's not a masterpiece because you know about my issues with it, <laughs> you know, but it's high up there. It's one of the ones I, it's, it's definitely one of those films that is going to hopefully change how we perceive yeah, I mean, I'd watch it again. women character. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, like I said, I saw it three times. <laughs> You know, I'm ready for the the heavy metal and then the reggae and the hip hop version where we just have the soundtrack and not even the dialogue. Just watch the whole <laughs> thing with the music, that kind of thing. What's so, next? Um, that, 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 was that was it. That's pretty much. That's the okay. basics. Just yeah. give them the basic things. Those basic four things. Have a sit down with yourself. Have your come to Jesus moment, and be honest. Is your script compelling? Mm-hmm. Once again, if someone tells you, "Oh my God." Your script was so good. It was so great. It was so well written. That is code. For it was mediocre. Okay. Just I don't care what that person said to you. So you care. want them to say I couldn't put it down. I I could not. I want them to be able to say, God damn it, I wouldn't talk to somebody else about the script. Yeah, can yeah, I yeah, come? Yeah. Can you come and talk to us? Blah blah. That's mm-hmm. what you want. Mm-hmm. It's a rare thing when it happens, unfortunately. But that's the level I want us to be writing at because I'm watching TV shows right now where I'm wondering. Was that a moment where it was like writer fatigue, mm-hmm. and this was the best thing out of that particular pile? Like, mm-hmm. fuck it, this is what we got. Let's let's roll with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be excited because I love watching TV. I love watching films, and I get excited when I see something exciting. And those are the things that I watch. You know, and I I want all of us to to have those compelling scripts because I want to see your movies. I'm tired of American films <laughs> that are just doing the same old paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of Adam Sandler movies. I'm tired of a lot of the big t- tempo. <laughs> you know, I'm just, just going to say it. I don't care no more. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just tired. Tired of you. You had your time, Adam. Produce some other things. And take your millions. Take, and your, take your money and just go sit, sit your ass somewhere and just relax. <laughs> enjoy your life. Exactly. You know, I need to see new, fresher more honest depictions. Well, that's one of the things you love about Dope is you love fresh faces. You love, you always talk about fresh faces. Oh my God. And I I feel bad because a part Mm. of me is like, oh God, if they blow up, they're going to get a lot of stuff and then I'm going to be like, I don't want to see you no more. (laughs) But if you're a good character actor, you can do anything. For example, I would watch, please, La Diva Meryl Streep, Mm -hmm. Helen Mirren, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Angela, all them, all them high, all the, all the goddesses of acting. I will watch anything. Can I tell you my they're, Helen Mirren story? They're actors. They're character actors. Can I tell you my Helen Mirren story? Oh, when you got to say the poem? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, she's she was amazing. So amazing. But that's when you—that's the difference between a celebrity mm-hmm. and a real actor. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are actors in a lot of films right now. <laughs> Dame Helen. Mirren. Oh, yes, uh, Dame. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. Okay, uh, that's why I call her La Diva. Uh, Diva's <laughs> higher than a Dame in my world. Goddess level. And she is nothing like that at all. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. but every character you see her in, it's something different, something like, I want to see her. And that, that's the type of... Do you know, she, she hasn't really done a lot of training. She just did theater. Mm. You know, she didn't really go to schools and all that shit like that. Mm. You know, perfect example of somebody. She just got it like that, huh? Some people just... Like me, I just have it, you know. You know, my first <laughs> time seeing her, it's like I said, first time seeing her was Excalibur and also Caligula. Oh, boy, you got to go back to your damn... Yeah. And I'm I tried to watch I'm, that one. I'm ashamed to say that I watched Caligula as a young mm-hmm. kid and I thought, this girl <laughs> with her clothes on, with her clothes on. She's off, got remember. something. <laughs> I think she's kind of amazing. Exactly. So on that note, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Where can people find you at Lisa? Oh my god. You can find me on Bitch Flicks. You can find me on Twitter. I, I, unfortunately I do travel a lot, so 
I'm all over the place. So the best place to find me usually is the Twitter um, and uh, Bitch Flicks. Okay. And, and also on our Facebook page. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I almost forgot already. <laughs> <laughs> we just got a new Facebook page, you guys, like two weeks ago. So uh, please like us on Hilliard Guesses Screenwriters Rant Room uh, on Facebook. And uh, Lisa and I are planning. We just had a light conversation about it. We're going to try to post more things to there um, at least once or twice a week. We'll try to get something up um, so you guys can know what's going on. And especially Lisa's always writing all these articles. At least it's another place. And we got like 200 people on there already who are liking us and following us. I'm on that. Okay. So, so I'll post some things over there and just and, and also try to post some things that I think as screenwriters you need to be looking at. Uh, recently... Uh, I did a chat last week with Bitch Flicks and also uh, Film Dis, hashtag Film Dis, mm-hmm. F-I-L-M-D-I-S. Yeah, we got to get my guy on. And um, Dominic Evans, thanks for that. Uh, last Tuesday, we had a Bitch Flicks Every Tuesday um, has a Twitter chat, and we talk about women in film in some aspect. And one of the things we did was a collaboration and talking about women with disabilities in film, and mm-hmm. that was a fantastic chat. So I want to try to, like, some of the resources I posted on that, I want to post on Facebook. So in case you're a screenwriter and you're writing about certain characters that may have disabilities, you can use these resources to help you make sure your writing is do accurate. You, do you want to promote what's coming up with you and Geek Soul Brother and them? Oh, well, uh, coming up, you know what? I got to see what the movie, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, as soon as I find the, as soon as I find the date that we're going to post it, but I'm going to oh, be yeah. doing a women in podcasting, uh, with Geek Soul Brother. Shout out to Geek Soul Brother. Yay. Yeah. And Black Girl Nerds. And we're going to do something about women in podcasting. So I'll let you guys know as soon yeah. as we get that up to check that out, because I think it's an opportunity for you to hear some great voices of women who are doing podcasting, who are dealing with nerd culture and film mm-hmm. and comic books and all the things that... We geek out on. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Uh, also, please follow the show, Screenwriters RR, which is short for Rant Room. Um, and please, please, please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We really need that for the metrics. Um, helps to you know get us in a good position on iTunes, stuff like that. And again, please follow us on Facebook at Hilliard Gass's Screenwriter's Rant Room. Y'all know how we do it. So on this show, we discuss... I'm about to go back to the top again. See what I'm talking about? This is what you get when you don't write shit down. You so silly. You so silly. (laughs) So on the Rant Room, y'all know how we do it. We keep it street. We keep it opinionated. We keep it gully. We keep it what? Gully. 2015. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Peace, y'all. Ciao. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tons won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic, even the random. Yeah, I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We only grow shit. Welcome to the rap room. Uh, that's it. That's all I got to say. <laughs>